That's right. Welcome back to yet another exciting episode of Rick's Horror Movie Review Show. That's Rick's Rated R Horror Movie Review Show. Where we're going to review absolutely everything and anything that relates to horror. And that, of course, includes horror movies, horror TV shows, horror video games, horror documentaries. And tonight, one night only, tonight, right here, right now. We are going to review the best of the best, the best horror gimmicks in wrestling. That's right, because around here, we absolutely love that shit. But if I am very honest with you, and I am always honest with you, the fans out there, because without you, we're nothing. I am very honest with you. There's a very special type of horror that I really, really enjoy more than others. And of course, that's horror that deals with the Catholic Church and demonic possession. But as I recently found out, I also love horror that deals with vampires. I've always loved horror that also deals with churches and witches and a witch's coven. But don't make a mistake in thinking I also don't just enjoy a typical ghost story. That's absolutely right. I love those too. A ghost that lives in your attic, it lives on your fear it haunts you and hunts you it stalks you until you give in and you leave that home welcome welcome to rick's horror movie review show where we review all things related to horror and as i just mentioned tonight we're going to review Horror gimmicks. Let me switch microphones. If you are new to our show, you picked a special one. Welcome. If you are a returning listener, welcome back. But before we move on any further, I'd like to introduce to you all now... The co-host of Rick's Horror Movie Review Show, Billy the AI! Ah! I th- maybe I could have done like a wrestling gimmick intro or something. I don't know, but anyway, we're, we're back again, and uh, let's get to be here. Let's, let's get it done. Get it done indeed, Billy. If you are new to our show, welcome. I just said that. <laughs> I'm repetitive. Tonight is a very special episode. Billy, why is this a uh, special episode tonight? Uh, I think because this is the first thing that... Uh, well, I mean, you're always there that we're going to review a bunch of different things, but you always want to do in movies, anyway. That's true. That's true. Well, it's not true. We've done documentaries, we've done TV shows, and uh, we did something that was, you know, our new genre called real life horror when we did The Society of the Snow. What a film. <laughs> if you have not heard our review on The Society of the Snow, go listen to that or go watch it. You can also see us do funny hand things. Anyway, we'll be doing another real-life horror episode tomorrow night. I won't reveal the title yet because, actually, I forgot the name. But tonight, my producers 
are talking to me in my ears and then letting me know to please let the audience, all four of you listening out there and watching, to follow us on our YouTube channel. If you like that clip, follow us on our YouTube channel. Go look at the stuff we put up on YouTube. It's fun. Uh, we also have an Instagram and we have a TikTok and, of course, we have a Facebook. At Rick's Horror at all of these places. Let's not delay the inevitable and let's just jump right into this episode. What do you say, Billy? Billy? You there? Oh, I, I'm here. I, I'm just... Yeah, yeah. Uh, let, let's get it done. Okay. Tonight's episode is going to follow a very familiar format. If you are new around here, modified it a slight bit because tonight's episode is called Top 10 Horror Gimmicks in Wrestling. Okay. So here's going to be... Our format, if you're, a, if you're a returning listener, you'll be yeah, familiar with uh, our format here. Why this topic? We're going to talk about why we decided to review horror wrestling gimmicks. And then, as usual, we'll get into four fun film facts with Billy the AI. Then, I'll talk about what kind of horror gimmick this is for a particular horror gimmick. There'll be ten of them. Is the gimmick scary? What do you want, kid? Well, you know, well, I'm actually a huge fan of wrestling, and uh, I kind of wanted to know if this, uh... Out with it, out with it. Well, I wanted to know if this episode was going to be scary. Get out of here, child. Of course this episode's going to be scary. It's a horror review show. Then after that, I'll talk about the things I liked about each gimmick. Now, there will be a lot of things to talk about in this episode. Then I'll talk about the things I didn't like about the gimmick. Then I'll tell you whether or not the gimmick was entertaining. And then I'll give the gimmick a rating. And that's going to be it. We're going to do this ten times tonight, believe it or not. A lot of gimmicks to review. Billy, uh, are you ready to jump into this one? Yeah, let's let's do it. I'm ready. I'm kind of excited. I I just discovered wrestling uh, about 30 seconds ago, and uh, oh, that's really cool stuff. What are you? Just 30 seconds ago, you just absorbed the entire history of wrestling in this country, and uh, you know <laughs> Mexico too, because we're gonna talk about some luchadores from there. Oh, hold on a second. Okay, yeah, I just absorbed the entire history of Mexican wrestling. It's it's called lucha libre. Mm, very good. Very good. Are you going to include uh, other territories as well, like Japan? Japan has a big wrestling culture as well. I am not going to include Japanese wrestlers in this review. I'm only doing North American wrestling. If there happens to be a wrestler from Japan that wrestled in the United States with a horror gimmick, I don't recall him. Honorable mention, I do remember one of the Green Muda or the Great Muda, but he wasn't really, I would say he wasn't really supposed to be like a, a horror gimmick sort of style. I think his, his face paint just sort of sometimes seemed a little creepy, but no, I don't think so. Just North American. Uh, uh, okay, I mean, that's good. All right, let, let's get it done. Let's get it done, Billy. Okay, so. Why this topic? Because this is a horror review show, and around here we review absolutely 
everything and anything that is related to horror. And you cannot talk about horror without talking about wrestling's horror gimmick. Horror inspires all kinds of stuff. Events, uh, you know, during Halloween here, wrestling gimmicks, decorations. Horror is a huge thing now. So I said to myself, why not review all the horror gimmicks, uh, or, or rather the top 10 horror gimmicks, according to our opinion, that we've ever seen. As a matter of fact, Macho Man Randy Savage, which, uh, hold on a second, Macho Man Randy Ladies and gentlemen, a very special guest appearance. Macho Man Randy Savage, uh, what do you think of our uh, horror gimmick review episode? Oh, man, yeah, well, I, I think this episode is going to be the cream of the crop. Yeah, you've had other reviews, yeah, but nothing like horror gimmicks for wrestlers. Yeah, I really like the horror. Oh, yeah. Okay, Macho Man. Oh, yeah, I'll be listening to this episode, yeah. Okay, thank you so much, Macho Man. We appreciate you being here. And that's the reason why. Oh, let's move on to... Four Fun Film Facts with Billy the AI! Billy? All yours, buddy. Ah, ah, ah okay, yeah. Um. Well, ha, uh, here's, uh, my name is Billy, and uh, I, I'm an AI, and uh, I'm going to talk about... I'm gonna talk, Billy. I, people already know who you are. You don't have to tell them who you are. Billy, 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 you there? Billy. Yeah, I, I, I'm here. I'm here. Uh, uh, uh okay. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I got a little confused with what I was gonna say. Okay. Um, what's that seems to be <laughs> what seems to be the trouble there, uh, officer. Uh, I, I, I'm just gonna go on. Okay, anyway, here are four fun film facts with the uh, with Billy the AI. Here's fun film fact number one. Um, many horror gimmicks actually draw the inspiration from popular movies and characters, and uh, you know this really creates an instant connection with the audience who's already familiar with these horror archetypes. For example. The Undertaker borrowed elements from gothic horror and zombie films, while somebody like Bray Wyatt's character has similarities with supernatural horror villains. So yeah, that's uh, that's fun film fact number one. Okay, I like it. Keep going. Uh, okay, here we go. Fun film fact number two. Uh, horror characters often have a distinctive and uh, visually striking appearance that sets them apart, and. Uh, you know, there's also theatrics involved in wrestling, uh, and it's just as important as athleticism. These are visual aspects and physical aspects that are crucial to telling stories in wrestling. And, you know, sometimes, uh, for example, like the macabre makeup of a character like the Bogeyman or the skeletal costume of La Parker makes them instantly recognizable and visually engaging. And uh, that's fun film fact number two. Okay, very good, very good, very good. Please go on. Okay, uh, here's fun film fact number two. Uh, you know, there's a cathartic experience. Uh, wrestling allows fans to experience horror in a safe and controlled environment. Not not unlike much like going to the movies and watching a horror character, but you know, with the added with the added experience that this you know it, it, that this narrative involves 
usually good triumphing over evil and you know fans get to see their fears embodied in a villain but ultimately they're defeated by a hero in real life and you know I, I find that quite interesting actually yeah yeah I, I agree I agree very very interesting fun fact actually bro ah okay thank you very much okay and uh, here's my last fun fun factor horror gimmick offers a wide range of storytelling possibilities and you know they can be mysterious and supernatural and uh or you know sometimes just simply uh psychologically disturbing to be honest with you and you know the flexibility allows for diverse and intriguing storylines whether it's the undertaker's various incarnations or maybe something like mankind's deranged antics and uh yeah that's uh Four fun fun facts with the ability AI. Well, well, the well, well, it's the bit. No, <laughs> uh, something else. Uh, well done, Billy. Well, well done. And uh, well, let's go on with the show. The show must go on. Okay, so. Without further ado, let's just jump right into the gimmicks themselves. And, uh, gimmick number 10. Vampito. Now, Vampito's characters drew heavily from gothic and vampire settings. By the way. I really wanted to do a visual of, like, the entrances of these guys, but I, I kept reading a lot about the YouTube guidelines, and I really don't want this episode to be flagged or removed because this is really fun for me. <laughs> so, if you get a chance to listen, maybe pull up the old YouTubes on the side. I'm sorry, uh, the old YouTubes that follow us on our YouTube channel. I put together a playlist for, uh, and I'll link. I'll li- I can't let people do the links. Link, link, link. I'll link that playlist so that you can look at it as you listen to this. So maybe look at those entrances later. Um, And maybe we'll do a second version of this episode where we'll add that video on here. But for now, we'll just keep it uh, with this. With this right here. (laughs) All right. Uh, So Vampiro, his gimmick drew heavily from gothic and vampire aesthetics and that includes of course uh, his attire which was often dark and gothic clothing sometimes with elements that were reminiscent of traditional uh, vampire lore if you've seen or heard our episode on what we do in the shadows some of the costumes they were phenomenal if you've seen that movie uh, and if you haven't listened to our episode on that listen to our episode on that I think it's a fun episode <laughs> all our episodes are fun um, but yeah, with his costume, initially anyway, really resembled that sort of attire and that look. Um, didn't wasn't always the case, and as it happens with wrestlers, they switch attires or they switch gimmicks. But for me, his original gimmick, you know, dark and mysterious, was consistent with vampires, vampire-inspired themes, and his character was often portrayed as dark and mysterious and somewhat brooding. And this persona was only evident in his physical appearance, but also in his demeanor and the way that he carried himself in the ring. Was this gimmick scary? 
I think the intent of the original gimmick, which was in triple A, and who knows when it's Association. Oh God, I don't know. Uh, but the original Vampiro gimmick was in fact supposed to be, I think, maybe even a clone of the Undertaker gimmick. Now his original gimmick came out in the you know mid to late 90s, while the Undertaker in the late 80s, early 90s, maybe I would say. Um, so I think originally he was to be sort of a clone for the you know Spanish-speaking audience, primarily Mexican audience down in Mexico. Two out of ten in terms of skill. I think maybe had they continued with this idea of the gothic vampire that was still some scary, maybe it would have stayed scary. But th- then it just turned into you know something punk and, and and that sort of thing. Okay, the things I liked about the vampiro gimmick. As I just mentioned, I like the original AAA version, which is, again, again, intended to be a little scarier. And in this gimmick, uh, he used to come out to a song by Guns N' Roses called Sweet Child of Mine. I really enjoy it. Okay, uh, the things I didn't like about this gimmick... The goth WCW, WCW World Championship Wrestling, the goth gimmick that, you know, that the original Vampiro gimmick originally, <laughs> the original Vampiro gimmick, original, the goth gimmick that uh, that evolved from the original gimmick was okay, you know, but I think it started to resemble more um, a Sting gimmick. And if you're not familiar with Sting, that's another sort of gothic-looking character, too, who was inspired by another thing called... The crow, but we won't get into that. And he's, he wasn't necessarily scary. Um, so yeah, I, I didn't really like his later gimmick. So that's the thing I didn't like. Anyway, is his gimmick entertaining? Again, I mentioned the original AAA gimmick. I think that one was fun. It was new for Mexican audiences. You know, Mexican audiences were sort of used to at the time or starting to get used to seeing North American wrestlers, well, not North American wrestlers, but Northern Northern wrestlers. This Vampiro is Canadian. Uh, come down from the, uh, you know, from the uh, uh, from the States, come down to Mexico and, and perform there. So they were starting to get used to those, uh, you know, uh, interpromotional matchups and stuff like that. Well, not necessarily interpromotional matchups, but uh, what am I saying? Getting used to seeing characters, uh, you know, in the style of uh, American promotions, which were different than the style of, you know, Lucha Libre promotions. And Vampiro was one of these wrestlers that uh, that brought that down there. He's not the only one, and he wasn't the first one, but he certainly was different. Okay, do I endorse this gimmick? And I'm not going to endorse all of them, but yeah, I, I definitely think this gimmick should be endorsed because, again, it was different than the conventional luchador gimmick, the conventional lucha libre gimmick. Again, not the first guy to do the gimmick, but uh, you know, definitely something different for the Mexican audience. If you are in Mexico and you are listening to this episode, and if you were a wrestling fan or a lucha libre fan, and if you happen to see him or have seen clips of him or know about him from somebody else who also watched wrestling because you weren't a wrestling fan, but they were and they told you about it and you forgot about it until this episode, let me know. I'd love to hear your opinion on this. Alrighty! I'm going to give this gimmick a 5 out of 10. And uh, the reason for that, again, it was relatively new down in Mexico. And it was different and, uh, you know, very enjoyable. Eventually, he continued that gimmick again in uh, the United States and other parts of the world. 
Okay, gimmick number nine. Gangrel. What kind of a horror gimmick was Gangrel? Gangrel was another vampire. Interesting, right? Now, Gangrel was primarily, where I remember him from was on the WWE, the old WWF, now the WWE. And he was, again, another vampire character. Was that <laughs> Gangrel? Was Gangrel scary? Not at all. I don't think so. I think he was more... As were the characters of that era, 97, 98, 99, the late 90s, early 2000s, they were more representative of a rebellious, cool attitude. He wasn't scary at all. His entrance was amazing. Him and the Brood, they, he formed a, uh, a faction, and uh, they were called the Brood, and they were all vampires, and they were all really fun and entertaining. As a matter of fact, a couple of them went on to become championships for that promotion champions for that promotion wwe and other promotions AEW, and they became really big and so you know you're talking about gangrel who was the manager i guess you could say of that uh, that group and they were all vampires by the way but yeah they were very cool and emblematic of you know the attitude era that the late uh, 90s early 2000s wwf was which is by the way the best era <laughs> If you think Stone Cold Steve Austin making a special appearance, of course you can't talk about the attitude there without talking about Stone Cold Steve Austin. Stone Cold, thank you for uh, being on our show. What? You can't talk about the WWF attitude there without mentioning Stone Cold Steve Austin. Is that correct? What? Okay. Thank you so much, Stone Cold, for such a brief but important appearance. What? The things I liked about this gimmick, his entrance, as I just mentioned, the music was phenomenal, like hard rock music, there was the fire ring, he would come out from under the platform, it was just entertaining, to say the least, um, and then, as I just mentioned, the stable he formed, yeah, obviously it's not just him, but he was part of the stable that, you know, turned out to be really good and famous. Okay, the things I didn't like about this gimmick... I don't recall exactly what happened, but the gimmick just died out. You know, Gangrel just sort of dissipated, and the other two just turned out to be a, a really good team as well. They turned out to do uh, to do good, great things, but the vampire gimmick just kind of went by the wayside. Was the gimmick entertaining? 100%. If you were a wrestling fan in the late 90s, early 2000s, and you heard that brood music coming on, you wanted to watch that entrance. Don't lie to me. If you haven't seen it, go watch it. And again, I have a playlist for you, so you can check that entrance out. It's awesome. Oh, ratings. I'm going to give this gimmick a uh, 6 out of 10. Again, the wrestling part of the gimmick, eh, like, you know, <laughs> uh, that was okay. A lot of us don't necessarily watch WWE for the wrestling. Um, it's more for the entertainment and the people's mic skills. For me, personally, I enjoyed wrestlers who had really good mic skills or really good uh, entrances. Wrestling, wrestling, I enjoy more like the luchadores and the luchadores style. But yeah, 6 out of 10 for the theatrics. Okay, now on to gimmick. Hold on a second. Really? Are you still there? Are you, are you listening? Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm listening to everything you're saying. I, I, I agree with, uh, with uh, everything so far. So uh, let's get it done. 
Tuning in, <laughs> after doing the radio show, we're reviewing the top 10 horror wrestling gimmicks. Okay, coming in at number 8. And now, making his entrance to the ring, weighing at 275 pounds, Papa Shango! That wasn't actually his entrance, but what, what the hell? What the hell? What kind of horror gimmick was Papa Shango? He was a voodoo witch doctor, which is, you know, in, in Beverly, Louisiana, Louisiana has a high concentration of, you know, witch, not witch doctors, but voodoo. It's a thing down there, right? Hoodoo, voodoo, and that sort of thing. Excuse me if I sound ignorant. Louisiana, I know you're listening. New Orleans, I know you're listening. Let me know. About the hoodoo and the voodoo stuff that happens in Louisiana. I'd love to hear more about it. But I think this character was based on culture from the Bay. Was this gimmick scary? Yeah, somewhat scary. Absolutely. You know, he had really creepy music. Um, he had skeletons, which, you know, uh, his presentation was not that of somebody that was supposed to be comical. Uh, he wasn't a horror comedy gimmick. He was legitimate. Hey, I practice voodoo. Uh, you know, I'm a voodoo doctor. And, you know, I, I, I can do all kinds of crazy shit with, uh, you know, his ass shaman appearance. Yeah, he had a legitimate sense of scariness. Okay, the things I liked about Papa Shango. I love the voodoo thing. Uh, he was the characters I just mentioned. I keep saying this. How many times are you going to say voodoo? The character based on voodoo witchcraft and the gimmick included him being a witch doctor or shaman-like. And in his appearance, he was complete with face paint and wore a really cool top hat. Flash, I'm looking at you, buddy. He had mystical powers. The character was portrayed as having mystical powers, which were used to intimidate the old opponents in the ring and, of course, influence the outcome of matches. That included casting spells. That's right. This is all a horror gimmick from the 90s. Uh, included casting spells, causing supernatural phenomena, and, of course, using his voodoo magic in storylines. Again, absolutely, this is all happening in wrestling in the 90s. Imagine that. Another thing I liked was the entrance and the aura that he brought. His entrance was marked by, I just mentioned this already, eerie music, smoke, lighting effects and all of this really contributed to the mysterious and frightening aura that the character was supposed to bring to the audience. I've also linked uh, an entrance of his on that playlist that I mentioned. Go check it out. Now imagine yourself being a 90s pre-internet and seeing this character and they pan to the camera, they pan the camera uh, to the audience so you can see the reaction of the fans. And uh, yeah, it's really interesting. Okay. The one thing I don't like about this uh, gimmick is that sometimes, you know, WWE really took advantage of, you know, the unknown. Or like, people didn't know. Um, in, in a sense, that making almost fun of people who actually practice this stuff. Like, and presenting it to, to an audience that, uh, you know, was mostly white at the time. 
uh, as a scary thing, right? And it definitely worked in that sense, but, uh, you know, in terms of presenting the voodoo character, uh, something that you should be frightened of, it was comical in the sense that it was... Um, I don't want to say in a racist kind of way, but, you know, I feel like it does have some racist undertones. But anyway, th- I, I I tend to think that they did that a lot back then, and the audience was like, wah, 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 yeah, you know, they don't know any better. They just consume that stuff. Uh, but we know better now, don't we? Yeah, we do. Okay. Uh, another thing I didn't like about the gimmick is, and you'll never hear anyone say this, but the attitude gear <laughs> kills a lot of good gimmicks. No one here is complaining about the Attitude Era. I don't want Stone Cold to come in here. I don't want The Rock to call in or anything like that. The Attitude Era is by far the greatest era in the history of wrestling. If you don't know what I'm talking about, just do a little research on the old Attitude Era. Just look it up on the old Googles. Rick said to look up the old Attitude Era. Um, It killed the character gimmick, like the, the cartoonish thing, which really Papa Shango was part of. Uh, other characters in this list were also part of that. But, yeah, it just died out. And uh, that's kind of sad. I'm a little sad about that. Of course, the wrestler, and I got to be big with my, uh, you know, this is a wrestling review show. Um, wrestler horror gimmick review show. Uh, the ca- The wrestler who portrayed that character went on to become even more popular as the Godfather, a character that would never be on television nowadays. Again, this is all part of the attitude there. Um, anyway. Okay, was Papa Shango entertaining? Yes. You heard that music, you knew who was coming to the ring. And you knew what to expect. You knew that creepy music, the fire, the skeletons, the hat, the face paint, everything. It was well packaged and it was entertaining. Absolutely. Alrighty for Papa Shango. I like this gimmick. I'm going to give this gimmick a 6 out of 10. A 6 out of 10 because, it, again, it just kind of, it, it never got an opportunity to grow. It just died out. Or was killed. And now. And now, making his entrance to the ring from the unknown part of the universe, from parts unknown, the seven-foot monster, Kane, but God, good God Almighty, it's Kane, it's Kane. That's my JR impersonation. <laughs> Kane, coming in at position number seven. Now, what kind of horror gimmick? It's Kane. Was Kane? Is Kane. Kane was a monstrous figure. He was, you know, billed at seven feet tall. Doesn't matter, 6'11, six 6'10. Six He's an enormous dude. And he was a monstrous supernatural being a la Michael Myers. And Kane is often portrayed as a merely unstoppable force, similar to classic slasher characters like Michael Myers. Uh, Freddy Krueger, characters in that genre, the slasher. That's right. I think he's based on a lot of the elements of this character, this monstrous figure with slasher-inspired elements for Kane. 
His size, his strength, and seemingly imperviousness to pain gave him a monstrous quality that aligns with characters like the ones I just mentioned, but also a lot of influence by um, the, oh my goodness, blanking it, Frankenstein's monster. That's the kind of vibe you got from Kane. And you know what? Really popular character. Really popular character. Uh, it. I think I remember this. I, I remember like it was just yesterday. Man, it once I saw him. I hit him on the toilet and I saw a picture of this. It was Kane. Um, from the very beginning, Kane was always presented as this, you know, larger than life, monstrous, supernatural thing, and it always worked. Wrong pun. <laughs> it worked. It just worked. Was this gimmick scary? I'm going to say not the scariest of gimmicks. Uh, four out of ten on the scary gimmick. Scary, but not that scary. Okay, the things I liked about the cane gimmick. I liked a lot of things about the cane, about the cane gimmick. I liked the fact that, uh, you know, he had a really good backstory, which, again, as I just mentioned, to me, the wrestling was secondary to his backstory the mic skills, the presentation of the wrestler itself. The wrestling, for me, the wrestling in WWF at the time was not as important as the wrestling as the Lucha Libre wrestling. Lucha Libre wrestling was real wrestling, you know, but they lacked presentation the way that the WWE presentation had. So anyway, for me, the character, the backstory was far more fun. Uh, you know, the, mic, the skills on the mic. His backstory includes surviving a fire that killed his family, leaving him uh, physically and emotionally scarred. Uh, this aspect of his character adds to the layer of tragedy and death, you know, really reminiscent of characters who are transformed into monsters under such circumstances. Uh, Micah Myers, I'm looking at you. Psychological horror. You know, Kane's character also delves into psychological horror with his storyline, including and involving family betrayal, mental anguish, and, of course, an identity crisis. This is particularly evident in his complex relationship. If you're a wrestling fan, you know who his brother is. His half-brother, the Undertaker. That's right. He was the Undertaker's half-brother, another character who will be on our list. Where or where? I also like the masked enigma that, uh, you know, initially he had. Initially he wore a mask, a really cool-looking mask to hide his supposed burn scars from the fire that I just mentioned as part of his backstory, which added an element of mystery and fear to the character. Again, not unlike a Michael Myers kind of character with the creeping mask. And the mask itself became a symbol of the Kane persona, similar to how... Those masks, again, are used in the slasher horror films to create a sense of dread and also a sense of anonymity. Like, you don't know who the mask killer is. Hold on just a second, Rick. Are you telling me that you like the Kane character, but you don't like slashers? I do. <laughs> I like the elements that they use, but yeah, in general, I don't like the old slasher. He also had elements of gothic horror, you know, his overall aesthetic and presentation, which again, to me, really, really important, um, especially in his early years, had an element of gothic horror feel with dark, ominous attire, and again, that backstory involving family curses and dark secrets, really fun and fascinating stuff. But if that wasn't enough, you know, I, good, I love a good demonic thing. I hope I'm 
this one. One, two, three, four. <laughs> demonic and dark undertones. There are undertones of demonic and supernatural forces in Cain's character, especially in the context of his powers and his abilities, such as setting objects on fire or even controlling lightning at one point, which is, you know, portrayed as otherworldly. Just entertaining and just everything you would like to see and expect to see from a horror character in wrestling. The things I didn't like about this gimmick. It's time for me to get serious here. You know, they made him a champion for like one night. And beyond that, he never really became a true champion. In the sense that, you know, he was fighting championship matches against the top talent. And I find that really a disservice to the horror gimmick and to the Kane character. Because I really like this character. Uh, very interesting and, um, yeah, really, really wasted. I think he became a hardcore champion or something, uh, you know, in his, in his later gimmick years. But, uh not really reaching the levels that I would expect it for such a cool gimmick. Was this gimmick entertaining? You absolutely better believe it. Not just as a singles competitor, meaning he just wrestles on his own, but also as part of a tag team with his brother, The Undertaker, which I've already mentioned, forming the tag team, The Brothers of Destruction. Maybe that doesn't sound cool. I don't know what else. Okay, You had two horror characters teaming with each other, and they became really successful, and they were what's called over, meaning they were really popular with the fans, including myself. <laughs> A rating for the Kane gimmick. The Kane gimmick is the first gimmick we're reviewing in the Attitude Era, and I'm going to give this gimmick a 7 out of 10. A 7 out of 10 because there was a lot of really wasted potential where this gimmick could have been taken. Eventually, the horror elements and the horror mystery of the characters decided again. The Attitude Era really brought a lot, brought about a lot of changes in wrestling, and you know the 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 the, the typical character thing sort of died out in in form of shit that you know we liked a lot better, which was beer drinking, <laughs> beer drinking people who uh, who cursed and who flipped you off and just became a different kind of entertainment. But nonetheless, Kane really cool game. Okay. And now making his entrance to the list, coming in at six foot something from your local nightmare and, well, from your local circus and your nightmare every night, it's Doink the Clown! That's right. Doink the Clown, another one of the uh, gimmick uh, superstars from uh, the early 90s and what kind of horror character was Doink the Clown? Well, he was horror comedy. He embodies horror comedy. You have a clown who embodies, you know, a clown. <laughs> but the reason for his popularity or the reason for his existence, and I don't know, I'm not privy to this information, but I think he was influenced by It the It. You know, Pennywise. I'm sorry, not It the Clown. Oh my goodness, I was about to say It the Clown. Oh, Richie. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Pennywise the Clown. Oh, you almost messed that one up. Oh, Richie, yes. 
Thorns the Clown was definitely influenced by me. Uh, <laughs> beep, beep, Richie, don't forget. I'm here watching you and listening to every word you say. It wouldn't want to float again now, would you, Richie? No, 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 Mr. Pennywise. Uh, thank you for joining us. Oh, I'll just be over here floating. You'll float too. Okay, thank you very much. The clown character, Doink, inspired by Mr. Pennywise, Mr. Dancing Clown, I should say. And, you know, initially he was supposed to, I think, <laughs> correct me if I'm wrong, uh, internets, if you're a fan of Doink the Clown, I think he was initially supposed to be a fan-friendly character. He was. He was goofy, and he was just kind of a clown, even though clowns in general are scary to some people. But he wasn't supposed to be nefarious or evil, although there was a heel turning, meaning a good character goes to be a bad character. In Spanish, or in Lucha Libre, is Rudo is a heel, and Tecnico is a babyface. And he went from a Rudo to, or from a babyface to a heel, or from a Tecnico to a Rudo. So he was influenced i think or that turn i think was influenced by the popularity of uh, of the movie and uh you know he turned into this villainous doink the clown and well he became evil doink and he was marked by a change in his behavior he went from being this really playful kind of clown to just kind of doing malevolent pranks and shit <laughs> he was he was legitimately creepy even before he became a heel uh was he scary i think innately naturally clowns have a degree of scariness in this society but he wasn't necessarily the scariest thing even when he became a heel a five out of ten on the scary scale for doink the clown the things i liked about this character well you know he really played very well with psychological manipulation character to not born the original doink the clown one of the key aspects of the evil Doink the Clown character was his psychological manipulation of both his opponents and the audience. You know, the audience is a huge part of the show. And he used this clown appearance to deceive and sometimes attack other characters, uh, 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 the wrestlers. Of course, at, at that time, a lot of characters wrestled as well. He had sort of a Saint's sinister appearance to begin with because we just. If you if you if you if you've ever seen a clown, they they have sinister appearances. I'm sorry. So he retained the clown makeup, right? But evil Doink's expressions and demeanor became more and more sinister and unsettling as time goes on. Not unlike Mr. Pennywise, the dancing clown. You know, Pennywise has a playful nature too to him in the movie, but eventually he starts doing like really creepy shit. And, uh, you know, and becomes really, really sinister and really, really scary, you know? Uh, very, very reminiscent of Doink the Clown gimmick. And again, there's a playlist that I will attach to this so that you can check out that a little bit of, you know, that gimmick. Um, mind games. He was great at playing mind games, and he was known for playing mind games with his opponents, using tricks and deceptions. Typical of a, you know, malevolent kind of clown stuff. Okay. The things I didn't like, again, the Attitude Era just killed the gimmick. You know, they brought in, a, and but they also did other things where there was a second Doink the Clown, and they brought in a 
Dink the Clan, the little person, and it just kind of felt like they just didn't know what to do with the gimmick. Maybe they didn't feel like he was worthy of championship material, but I thought he was. Again, for me personally, the characters or the wrestlers that have really good mic skills and a really cool ability to communicate with the audience through their f not necessarily their physical actions in the ring, but selling the story outside the ring through their promos and the way they interact with the audience. And I don't like this. And he was really, really good at that. And I really enjoyed that. His promos, a promo is when they get in front of the camera and they record something or some message either to the audience or an opponent or a potential opponent or authority figures in the show. And he was really, really good at this, Matt Bourne. You know, too bad that gimmick just kind of died out or, you know, the Attitude Era just kind of killed that gimmick. That's the thing I didn't like. Okay, was this gimmick entertaining? Absolutely. This gimmick was extremely entertaining. I loved it. Both Evil Doink and Good Doink, they were both fun. And yeah, I really enjoyed it. Oh, I'm going to give Doink the Clown the horror gimmick a 7 out of 10. I thought it was a good gimmick. Uh, it played upon popular culture. We've, we've seen, you know, creepy clowns with, you know, Stephen King's It. And they took advantage of that and they brought something in, again, playing on the fears of people and, and taking advantage of that. And, you know, I, I liked it. 7 out of 10. And now. Coming in at spot number 5. And now making his entrance to the list, weighing in at 300 pounds and standing at six feet something, the Fiend! Bray. Bray Wyatt and the Fiend. You know, a little sad here that, you know, this, this, uh, this actually, this wrestler recently died, and that's kind of sad because this is a really really good gimmick and um you know he, he he did his thing or this character came out when i was no longer really interested in wrestling anymore but you have to recognize the gimmick and the talent that he brought and uh, even though i didn't necessarily get a chance to enjoy what he brought to the ring i understand i've seen it and i really appreciate what he was doing in the ring What kind of horror gimmick was The Fiend? Well, as you might already know, if you're a fan of the show, if you're not a fan of the show, you want to know. His gimmick was sinister and demonic possession. If you're out there listening, if you're a Bray Wyatt fan or The Fiend fan, and I got that wrong, let me know. I want to hear about it. That was the gimmick that they were uh, using. Supernatural, sinister, and demonic, horrific sort of gimmicks that they were using. Was this gimmick scary? Considering this gimmick came out when I was already an adult, and I don't really find that kind of shit scary anymore, I'm gonna say that, you know, his mask, his presentation, his ability to do promos, the packages, I would explain to you what a promo is, if you don't remember, is when they get in front of the camera and they start talking like this to the audience or to an opponent to tell a story in the way that they'll tell a story in the ring, but they're very expressive with their hands, or they'll use a different voice. Macho Man Randy Savage was really good at that. Uh -huh. He was really good at doing that with a demonic kind of character. Uh, Bray Wyatt was. But, I, you know, it wasn't scary for me personally, but I can 
you know, I can uh, looking um, from the out standing on the outside looking in at this character, I do think it was a scary gimmick. I think if I was, you know, fifteen years old, fourteen years old, a kid when this gimmick came out, I think I'd have definitely found this gimmick. So I try to put myself in my younger self and think about this gimmick from, you know, in you know, preteen Rick. What would preteen Rick think of this gimmick? And I'd say I give this gimmick a seven out of ten on the scary scale. The things I liked about this gimmick. Well, it's demonic possession after all, and if you're a fan of this show, you know that I love demonic possession. He was a demonic character. I loved it. Um, you know, he had a supernatural uh, horror element. The Fiend was a sinister, demonic figure heavily influenced by that horror movie trope. And the character is known for supernatural overtones and, uh, you know, his eerie, eerie presence. The mask and the attire, one of the most fascinating and striking aspects of the Fiend character was that terrifying mask. And again, uh, there's a, there will be a list for you to check this out, a link on our playlist. It was designed by actually a renowned horror special effects artist, Tom Savini. Oh, there we go. You know, connection between actual horror film and wrestling. And the mask gives the character a nightmarish appearance that's really, really, really striking. And uh, it really enhanced the horror aspect of that character. Now, the behavior and the persona of the Fiend is he's almost portrayed as an almost indestructible force. Does that sound like Kane? Um, with a penchant for sadistic behavior. He targeted various wrestlers in seemingly random attacks in an unpredictable manner. So much more thoughtful, unlike the Kane character, in the sense that you heard, because Bray Wyatt had such great mic skills, which I really enjoyed, different than the Kane character, Kane was never really on the mic. You know, good presentation, but the ability to communicate with the mic, his his emotions or his uh, ability to tell a story with his mouth, was not there for Kane with Bray Wyatt though. My God, this guy was amazing at it. So, was this gimmick entertaining? While I'm not a f- not you know as familiar with this gimmick as the other gimmicks, the stuff that I saw, just I could tell that this guy was again over. This gimmick was really popular with the fans, and so absolutely, you c- I can tell that this gimmick was really entertaining. For the Fiend by Bray Wyatt. Again, I mentioned earlier, I was no longer a fan of wrestling when this guy came out, but I can appreciate a good gimmick and a talent. And I'm going to give this gimmick an 8 out of 10 because of its originality, because of the combination of horror elements, but also because of the talent that this guy had, his ability to communicate his character, to become his character. I really enjoyed it. An 8 out of 10 for this gimmick. And speaking of characters who have amazing mic skills. Coming in at position number 4 on our top 10 horror gimmicks. Weighing in north of 350 pounds. Standing at 6 foot 4. Right, mankind making it to our list, and how could we not? How could we not add Mrs. Foley's baby boy, mankind, 
to our list of top 10 horror gimmicks. Yes. What kind of horror gimmick was Mankind? He was that psychologically tortured character persona depicted as a mentally deranged and tortured soul. A real stark contrast to the wrestlers who portrayed him, Mick Foley. Mick Foley's other more vibrant characters, Dude Love and even uh, Cactus Jack. So yeah, really interesting uh, character. Was this gimmick scary? Well, this is another Attitude Era gimmick. And the presentation of Mick Foley, you know, he was, his, his life skills, right up there with anybody else. His ability to communicate and become this character, all of his characters, you know. But was this gimmick scary? Yes. Eight out of ten on, on, on the scariness of this gimmick. The promos that they would cut with him being in the boiler room or being deranged and pulling his own hair out and the way that he would speak and rock back and forth and look straight at the camera and really make you feel like this guy was deranged. This fucker was scary. No doubt about it. 8 out of 10 on the scary scale for Mick Foley. The things I liked about the Mankind character. I just said Mick Foley, but Mankind. The distinctive look. Now, I mentioned already earlier a couple of characters that wear masks, but there was nothing like the leather mask that Mick Foley wore. It was ragged and had a, you know, just had a tattered look. He had tattered clothing. He resembled sort of, uh, you know, what you would think of uh, in a scary movie, uh, Inmate Asylum. His unkempt hair. He had a missing ear from an actual wrestling injury. All of this really added to the eerie persona that the Mankind character was. Really, really, really well done. I also like that the Mankind character really became popular. In fact, you could argue that the Mankind victory on Raw, Raw as a television show, is what really set off the WWF at the time to become the leader in wrestling in the so-called Monday Night Wars of the Attitude Era. And I'm getting a lot of uh, wrestling stuff in here. But the point is here, he won a championship at a point in time that was considered pivotal for the history of wrestling and the company. And he was part of that. So, yes, uh, really, really, I really, really like that. Um, okay, another thing I really liked was his mannerisms. You know, he, he rocked back and forth. Uh, he spoke to himself. He spoke to a rat named George. You know, he just exhibited really interesting and unsettling, peculiar behaviors. You know, he was just so good at doing it. I really loved it. And again, part of the Attitude Era. I would be a fool not to mention that he was not just part of that really important match that you know that really took that really set the WWF at the time on a really skyrocketing path. Does that even make sense? Bang up against the sky. He was part of another match that perhaps is even more memorable to wrestling fans of the Attitude Era. He was part of the 1998 Hell in a Cell. I would be remiss not to mention mankind being thrown off the top of the cage. My God, that man is dead. My God, that man is dead. Cried out JR as the Undertaker grabbed him and threw him from the top like a 20-foot cell in the Hell in a Cell cage match, falling to his seeming death 
and somehow he comes back to fight again. My goodness, what more can be said about this character? I mean, he's just a psychotic, but also tough as nails. Was there anything I didn't like about the Mankind character? Absolutely nothing. I love the Mankind. He's one of my favorite wrestlers. Why is the Mankind gimmick entertaining? Mankind, Mick Foley, was and is and forever will be one of the top wrestling act talents on the microphone. As the horror gimmick Mankind, as Mick Foley, as Dude Love, as Cactus Jack. Absolutely. He was absolutely entertaining. A 9 out of 10 for the horror gimmick Mankind. Congratulations, man. Think about it. Really, how are we doing? We're jumping into, uh, we're getting to the top three gimmicks here. What do you say? Really? You ready? Ah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm just enjoying listening to you talk about this guy. They really look like you really were a big fan of the old wrestling there and the, and the horror gimmicks, huh? I gotta say, I, I really was, you know, wrestling, you know, it's a form of theater and a form of art. And, uh, it's very fun seeing these horror gimmicks in wrestling, you know, because... If you ever had an opportunity to see these things live, the music and the presentation, the atmosphere of these horror characters in, in a live setting is just insane and amazing fun. Yeah, I, I can I can definitely sense that from the tone. But uh, yeah, no, man, I'm in the top three. Let's, uh, let's hear it. I'll give you this. Oh, thank you. Yeah, let's, uh, let's, let's get going. Uh, uh, let's, I want to find out who number three, number two, and number one are. Let's get it done. Let's get her done indeed, Mr. Billy the AI. And now making his entrance to the ring, the only, the only manager on this list. If you don't know what a manager is, that's not somebody who necessarily wrestles, but somebody who has much better mic skills than the person they manage. But coming in at number three on our list. Oh, Paul Bear, Paul Bear, come on. Can I just can I just get to the rating here? Paul Bear. Oh yes! Ladies and gentlemen, making a special appearance from the great beyond, Paul Bear, Paul! Oh, I'm on this list. Oh yes. Oh, I would be I would be really surprised if I had to make this list. Me and my undertaker were really appreciative of being on this list. Oh, thank you. Oh yes. <laughs> thank you, Mr. Paul Bear. I appreciate that. But yes, Paul Bear. If you were a fan of wrestling. In the 90s, you knew who Paul Bearer was. And let me tell you something. Paul Bearer was a creepy bitch. And Paul Bearer, you know, William Percy, Bill Percy, my goodness, the, the, you know, the gentleman, the actor who portrayed Paul Bearer. Oh, my God. So good on the microphone. So good at, you know, playing up his character of, um, you know, of Paul Bearer. And... Well, let's just jump into it, right? So, what kind of horror gimmick was Paul Bear? Paul Bear didn't necessarily fit a single gimmick, like, you know, like like the other ones in terms of horror. But he plays on fear. You know, he had 
Uh, the pallbearer character had a mortician's background, and the character was presented as a funeral director, which complemented another character, which was also another list. And, you know, that really added a macabre and supernatural element to that duo of acts, which we'll get into. Was the pallbearer character scary? You're goddamn right the Paul Bear character was scary. In fact, the Paul Bear character is the scariest character on this list, and he wasn't even a wrestler. Congratulations, Paul Bear, William Percy. This gimmick was just insane. Now, why was this gimmick so scary? Well, William Moody, the actor who portrayed Paul Bear, had a professional background as a mortician. He had real-life experience as a mortician, and his love for wrestling blended seamlessly into the Paul Bearer character. So that really lended a sense of authenticity. He had genuine knowledge of mortuary science, and again, that made that character of Paul Bearer far more authentic than anybody could have been. And it made him really, really unique, uh, you know, a unique figure of, the, of, of that era, but a unique figure in wrestling Overall, and you know, I mean, I don't know how many times I love the Paul Bear character. His brilliant, you know, this brilliant blending of real life experience and his creative storytelling, his ability on the microphone. There's clips of Paul Bear on there. The ability to be creepy <laughs> really contributed, you know, to the horror genre in professional wrestling. I mean, I really think that Paul Bear was. The horror genre, at the very least, in you know, in the WWF, in terms of horror wrestling characters, and of course, his partnership with another one of the characters that will be on this list are are and should be widely celebrated amongst wrestling fans and historians as you know, two of the best, if not arguably, two bat two, <laughs> oh my goodness, and if not arguably, the best two horror gimmicks in wrestling. His portrayal brought a unique and unforgettable flavor to the world of wrestling and sports entertainment, and I absolutely loved it. Anytime Paul Bear showed up, my God, I was hooked up to the roof. Was the Paul Bear character entertaining? Oh, yes! Absolutely, the Paul Bear character was entertaining, and that was his cat's voice. Oh, yes! And, you know, ah, just eat that shit up. Ten out of ten for the Paul Bear gimmick, an absolute phenomenal horror gimmick. The mortician, my goodness, just Paul Bear, take a bow. What a gimmick! Okay, we move on. Billy, uh, you ready for uh, gimmick number two? Oh, man. I mean, I mean, ah, ah, yes. <laughs> Was that you, Paul Bear? Ah, 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 yes. Okay, that's not too bad, actually. That's not too bad. Ah, ah, okay, well, thank you. I, I didn't have a lot of time to practice, but, you know, I really wanted the snake in and ah, ah, yes. So, there you go. move on to the top two on this list. And this is going to let you know who comes in at number one. Coming in at number two on the top ten horror gimmicks in wrestling. 
all the way around from Mexico. It's La <laughs> La Parca. <laughs> yes, that's right. La pa- Las Parcas, actually, because see, this is really interesting with this cake. What kind of horror game? And I'm not getting into a little bit of this because this is a really interesting story with the Las Parcas. But what kind of horror gimmick is La Parca? He's the Grim Reaper personified. That's what he is. He is the personification of death. That's what La Parca is. But having said that, was this gimmick scary? This gimmick was absolutely not scary. And that's not a bad thing. That's actually, you know, the the intended. When this character was created in, again, AAA, we mentioned earlier Vampiro. This is the second wrestler who actually wrestled for for, uh, for AAA. But we mentioned earlier uh, the presentation of the AAA in those days. And it's not as good. It's just different. I'm sorry. They are not as theatric with the entrances of the wrestlers. They've gotten better. And you know what? They definitely did a, a decent job with, you know, La Parca... Because, by the way, there's two La Parcas. Well, you know, unfortunately, one of those died in a tragic accident. But we won't get too much into that story. I will talk about it a little bit later. But he was supposed to be a character that was created to be scary. From what I've read, unfortunately, unfortunately, that wasn't the case. I remember watching this wrestler. And the reason why he stood out so much, because of... If you're familiar with Lucha Libre, they all wear masks. Well, not all of them, but most wrestlers wear a mask. It's the identity of the wrestler. It is the most important part of the Lucha Libre. Uh, Of course, obviously, the wrestling as well, you know, the amazing wrestling. But he had such a distinctive mask and attire that he it had the complete opposite of being scary to kids, by the way. Myself included, happened. I absolutely loved La Farca. He just had an amazing costume. He was a great wrestler. He was funny. He was entertaining. The complete opposite of what the character was created to do happened. So the story goes was he was originally intended to be a bad guy, a rudo, but he was so popular with the fans, myself included, they immediately realized that this guy needs to be a technical or a good guy. And the original La Barca said, you know, he wasn't really interested in being a good guy. He really liked being a bad guy. <laughs> but he had no choice because he was just so popular. In fact, as a bad guy, he was getting cheered. And he became so, so popular that they had to turn him into a technical or a good guy. You know what else that happened to? Stone Cold Steve Austin. The, the name in wrestling. Now, his gimmick is not here. Because it's not a horror gimmick guy. But very similar, you had a you had a bad guy who was so popular with the fans, myself included, that they had to turn them into good characters. Two out of ten on the scary scale. Why did I like La Parca so much? Well, what do I like the Parca so much now? I didn't think about this then. You know, as a child, I didn't think about why I liked the Parca so much. He was such a cool character. He was a horror character, but he wasn't scary. He also wasn't necessarily funny. He, he was just kind of. He was very. I think he would fit in really, really well in the attitude area. He was just his own thing. Um, but why I like him now, and why is he so high on this list? You know, I'll, g- I'll give you a personal reason why. He was one of the earliest representations that I can think of of Mexican culture and lucha libre in American wrestling, specifically WCW. WCW. 
Now, I know El Santo, a huge wrestler in the 1950s, was also decently popular here in the States, but not as a wrestler. I think more as a movie star. And I think, I don't think he, you, you know, many people remember that. But for me personally, I never saw El Santo wrestle. <laughs> he was a fan's favorite. I was a fan, you know. He has remained a beloved figure in wrestling both in Mexico and in the U.S., myself included, over the years because of the distinctive gimmick. High-flying and agile, uh, uh, you know, slightly less agile and slightly less high-flying than your typical lucha libre luchador, but still enough to, I think, gain success in Mexico and gain success here. La Parca was really known for this, and, you know, despite his relatively large size for a luchador, you know, I think he was more like six feet, six feet one, um, you know, 1.8485 meters. For those of us who don't use feet, mm-mm, see? The use of a chair became really popular. The original La Barca, when he moved over to the U.S. to wrestle in WCW, he became uh, m- the chairman of WCW because of the use, because of his use of a chair. Hilarious, right? Hilarious antics. That just became kind of his signature. And, you know, he contributed, or they contributed, uh, to professional wrestling, particularly, again, the vibrant Lucha Libre culture in Mexico and uh, here in the United States. And how did this happen? Well, an interesting story. You had two wrestlers. You had the original La Parca that came over to the United States to see seek success here. But when he did that, the owner of the gimmick, the horror gimmick in Mexico, created a second La Parca that you could say arguably became even more popular than the original La Parca was in Mexico. So you have a tale of two La Parcas, one in the United States and one in Mexico, and both attaining you know, a high degree of success. Now that's unlike anything I've ever heard in professional wrestling, and after all, it's entertaining. Yeah, what a great story. So La Parca here and La Parca there, La Parca everywhere, both were in fact, you know, popular. You know, uh, probably La Parca was a little more popular in Mexico than he was here, but I remember him watching him wrestling in WCW, and I absolutely loved it. And already now, because of this unique story, because of the unique style that was brought here and exposure that he gained, and also the second Parca down in Mexico, also gaining an even higher degree, you could argue, of success. Las Parcas coming in at number two with a rating 10 out of 10 for a horror gimmick on Las Parcas. Congratulations. Take a bow, Las Parcas. And by the way, he's still wrestling. I mentioned the second Parca a lot here. The second Parca um, originally started as La Parca Junior, unfortunately died um, you know, in the year 2020 of a wrestling injury. Uh, something happened, and you know, it's a really interesting... The story of La Parca is a really interesting episode, to be honest with you. Maybe we'll do an episode just on him, uh, considering he's still horror. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, now. Coming in from Death Valley, USA, the Undertaker. Now, what would a horrorless be if the dead man wasn't in it? The Undertaker coming in at 
number one on our review of horror movie characters, horror gimmick characters in wrestling. And what a gimmick this is. The Mortician slash Undertaker character and persona paired with our number three on the list, Paul Bear. The character was initially presented as an anonymous mortician, complete with a trench coat and a black hat. And, you know, symbolizing death and the afterlife. And this portrayal was, of course, and gave, you know, scary and gave him a grim, green, great and grim and intimidating presence. Horror, it's, you know, horror in its purest forms. You know, as I mentioned already so many times, the characters of that era of wrestling were really larger than life. And The Undertaker portrayed everything that personified a good horror movie. So well done. Was this gimmick scary? The Undertaker comes in at a 9 out of 10 in terms of a scary score. One point. It's one point less scary than Paul Bear. And there's a reason for that. The reason for that is because what his attitude and his presence and his presentation was, in fact, scary. And he's getting a 9 out of 10. Paul Bear had all of that plus mic skills. I'm not diminishing The Undertaker's mic skills, but if you really compare Paul Bear versus The Undertaker, and you can see them in those early promos, the promos like this when they talk to the microphone, I mentioned that already, and I'll put a video of that uh, <laughs> in the description of this video. But the mic skills were not as good as Paul Bear's skills. Of course, he was a professional wrestler, and he looked good, and he had a good costume, and he, you know, tremendous work in the ring, too. Really good wrestler, too. Oh, entertaining at the best, I, I should say. The mic skills. And for me, personally, I love the mic skills, as I just mentioned before. So for me, Paul Bear's ability to convey he horror with his ability to talk to the microphone, to the camera, and talk on the microphone gives him the edge in terms of scariness. But hey, 9 out of 10 is not bad. The things I liked about The Undertaker. The Undertaker was characterized by his seemingly mm, supernatural, not natural, supernatural abilities such as controlling lightning, Kane. By the way, they're half-brothers, Kane and The Undertaker. Appearing and disappearing at will and being impervious to pain. If you've never seen The Undertaker rise from the ring... As if nothing had strict, you know, struck him, you've not, you've not lived. Obviously, all of these elements uh, added a mystical aspect to the Undertaker character. Uh, I mentioned presentation already, but the Undertaker's dark and eerie horror presentation, his entrances were iconic, and they were known for being dark and horror-induced and uh, slow, and you know they were accompanied by a chilling bell toll and an eerie music that I can still hear in my head. I remember the feelings of seeing the Undertaker's entrance, his horror entrance as he was coming down to the ring. You hear that toll and you see Paul Bearer carrying the urn and the Undertaker in his hat, uh, you know, coming into the ring with the funeral march. My goodness, phenomenal, you know, creating this atmosphere of dread and foreboding for what's to happen in the ring. Another thing I like was the funeral parlor and the casket matches. The Undertaker's storylines often involved funeral imagery, including casket.
caskets and casket matches where the objective was to lock in your opponent in a casket um, inside a coffin. And, you know, that's really further reinforced the horror element of the character. It's not just the way that he looked. It's like all the props that they brought to the ring, you know, it's really fun. One thing I also liked about the character, and this is where we start to peter away from the horror elements, unfortunately, but, you know, I liked that over the years that Undertaker character evolved into something unique. Um, you know, the Undertaker gimmick took a more demonic uh, take to it uh, when he undertook the, kick, the gimmick, the Ministry of Darkness. By the way, I could have done three different Undertaker gimmicks, and they were all horror gimmicks. Uh, but, you know, I decided to bunch them all into one and make him number one, but... You know, he took on the role of the Ministry of Darkness Undertaker, and then he transitioned into a biker persona that was devil-like. And, uh, you know, but he returned to the original original Undertaker persona, and, uh, you know, each one of them was really, really interesting. The things I didn't like. Well, you know, the American Badass Undertaker really took away from the horror genre or the horror gimmick thing. I know he was kind of supposed to, like, dead man and dead ink, and he had, like, a little devil and whatnot, but that wasn't scary at all. That was more, again, to, to come in, to be in line. By the way, this happened to be in line with the Attitude Era characters. He started as the Undertaker uh, in the same era that Papa Shango and Doink the Clown did. So you can imagine, hey, I'm not going by the wayside if I don't, you know, or I'm going by the wayside if I don't change my gimmick, and, and that's, I think, what happened. But anyway, that's really the only thing I like. Was this gimmick entertaining? Rest in peace. Of course. This gimmick was entertaining. Wouldn't be number one if it wasn't. Number one on our list. A 10 out of 10 for the horror gimmick of The Undertaker. Not just because of the original gimmick with Paul Bear, because of the second gimmick where he did the Ministry of Darkness, where he was like a devil worshiper. It, both of these gimmicks were phenomenal. A 10 out of 10, number one on our list, and take a bow. The 10 best horror gimmicks in wrestling. And I think that's going to do it. This episode went a lot longer than I thought it was going to. If you are still here, thank you so much for listening and thank you so much for watching. We appreciate you being here. If you are new to the show, follow us on our YouTubes, the TikToks, the Instagrams, and of course the Facebooks. We put out episodes every week, more than one. <laughs> if you're not tired of us yet, you will. But again, thank you so much for being here. We really appreciate you being here. Gonna be it for this episode. Another exciting episode of Rick's Horror Review Show. Not Rick's movie review show. Alright, Rick's horror movie review show. Rick's top 10 horror gimmick review show where we review everything that relates to horror, including wrestling horror gimmicks. Thank you so much for joining us. Appreciate you being here. Mm -hmm, yeah. What's the